It's Monday the 25th of January. Welcome to our Afternoon Sport Deep Dive. I'm Tim Gilbert and I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. Mate, you've, you've been on your magical tour. You've been to Fruit World. You've had a couple of games of golf. You're, you're back home? I'm back home, mate. The holiday is over. Back to work, mate. But um, the good thing about our work, mate, we talk about sport the whole time, so it doesn't feel like work. Oh, and there's so much to pack in today. Our Deep Dive, of course, Jaslyn Hewitt is with us and Steve Gillis, NRL manager to the start. Let's get cracking. Well, Shane, the big bash, the DRS, the great Joey Gilbert, the 11-year-old contributor on Friday, said they've got to have the DRS for the LBW and the big bash. And he's right. I mean, that decision last night to give this young um, Josh Philippi out when he wasn't out. Uh, it was ridiculous. Big wicket for the Sixers. Philippi's been the, the star batsman for the whole series and a big wicket. So once again, the DRS not being involved has um, has let down a team. I think you find that in 2020 that uh, one decision going the wrong way can really upset the whole result of the game. So yeah, disappointing. But some interesting results overnight. Um, you know, Adelaide Strikers uh, 659 defeated the Thunder. Um, the Thunder seemed to be really slipping off the pace a bit. The team that's really coming back strong, and they're sitting currently in fifth, I think, are the Hurricanes. Uh, They were none for 150. Wade scored 86 or 44 balls and short 72 or 52 balls. Only ended up with 188 for eight, defeated the Sydney Sixers, who really are chopping and changing their bowling lineup. And I think a team without Stephen O'Keefe is not as good. So I'm still tipping the Sydney Sixers to take out the title this year, but I think they have to have Stephen O'Keefe in that team. Yeah, and do you think the DRS has to come in? What, what do you think? Well, it's not going to come in this season. But I, no, no, I understand that. Yeah. But going forward, we're the 10th season of the BBL, but if you know, if there's a post-season review... Look, I think so, and I think what they should be looking at doing is how do, they, how do they speed up that process? I think where people get frustrated with the DRS is when the third umpire sits there rocking and rolling, as he says, I want to rock and roll this, rock and roll it, and it takes about 10 minutes, it feels like. If they can speed up mm. the process, why, why can't they bring it in? If they can speed up the whole pace of the game, Surely they can, they can speed up the DRS format. Yeah, Dan Christian, he's taken quite a stance and even had a crack at the Prime Minister regarding uh, these events of Australia Day. Yeah, it's a funny one, that. Um, you've got Cricket Australia and the Prime Minister both waiting in different pools. Dan Christian is saying that to the Prime Minister that Cricket Australia is doing a fantastic thing, naming it, not naming Australia Day fixture, just January 26th. And the Prime Minister is saying that Cricket Australia should wait way out of politics and um, just worry about getting on with their own job. So interesting one there. I'm not sure, really sure where I sit on this one. I think I, I'm, I'm a proud Australian. I can see where the Indigenous folk are coming from, and particularly Dan Christian, and making a stance. It's got to be all-inclusive. But I think, you know, the way that we all celebrate Australia Day, we can make it all-inclusive, and um, we should be proud of where we come from and, and what we've come from too. All right, let's uh, let's talk overseas. And Liverpool, of course, uh, we're, we're singing along. The documentary came out about that great win. Uh, it hasn't been going all that well recently, has it? They've uh, they've lost to Burnley in the EPL, which is their latest hit there. So they're slipping down the ladder a little bit. And then uh, this latest result with the FA Cup being beaten by Man U. 
Yeah, it's um, it's been a horrible season for for Liverpool. I can only imagine what uh, the people within the Liverpool district are feeling at the moment, particularly with you know the issues they're having with COVID. And football really unites, particularly people within the UK and all around the world. And when your team's not going well, it makes things even worse. So yeah, it'd be tough times in, down by the mercy at the moment. So um, fingers crossed they can turn it around towards the end of the season because from this point on, it's been pretty ordinary. Yeah, because the season early on was going so well. And uh, yeah, the back end, and you put on top of that the past away of Jerry Marsden of course uh, uh, and uh, you know that that iconic song but who knows they are a very strong brand and they could well come back coming up on afternoon sport our tennis expert Jaslyn Hewitt Okay, so much talk about the Australian Open. Uh, it's still a, a little while away. Quarantine, dramas, this, that and the other. Jaslyn Hewitt joins us. How are you, Jazz? Good afternoon, guys. Yes, it's uh, another big week as we're leading up to the Australian Open and our tennis players only have less than a week left in hard quarantine for those 72 athletes that are, are doing it tough. Jazz, um, a day at the drive sold out in 30 minutes. Yeah, well, you've got the phenomenal players there. The best in the world are competing down there. They have had a little bit uh, nicer environment to be living in and training in down in Adelaide. Um, Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, Dominic Team, Osaka, Halep and Williams on the women's side and Ash Barty has joined the lineup as well. So wow. they're only having 4,000 spectators and given the restrictions that they've got and the seating set up in Adelaide, there's even going to be uh, a lot of restricted viewing. However, even those tickets were selling out in those 30 minutes. Oh, you can see why. It's got a bit of a Rolling Stones feel about it, doesn't it? It's it's the Broadway Act and plenty of the people of Adelaide and surrounds in South Australia that are no doubt coming to watch it wouldn't have that opportunity, Jazz. No, definitely. It's one thing that the Adelaide uh, crowd loves is an exhibition event. They had the exhibition uh, event there after they lost the tournament, the Leighton initially won down there. They've brought back the Adelaide International with some star-studded names last year, uh, which was fantastic to see. And the Davis Cup, when the biggest names come for those couple of days. Uh, the Adelaide crowds always get behind it. And I think it's, it's a great privilege for them just given the new infrastructure that the uh, Adelaide government are putting on for the tennis centre there at Memorial Drive. And it's fantastic to see these players commit to it. Now, Jazz, the players in hard lockdown in Melbourne, there's a new WTA tournament to be held for them. Yeah. So Tennis Australia have come out with our new uh, tournament on for the WTA players, the women's events. There was only two events previously. Uh, the men had the two 250s plus the ATP mm-hmm. Cup, which the best players were playing in. So this is now giving the women another opportunity uh, to be able to compete uh, the week prior and hopefully get some more matches in before the Australian Open starts. Ash Barty, will she bring her extra face masks? Do you think? Because <laughs> hasn't that hasn't that hasn't that struck a chord? I look, I think it was overblown. It's look, it's a, how easy is it to do it? It's just look. I know that she was, you know, she was critical of other players, but boy, oh boy, in the world that we're living in, you, it's so easy for any of us to to forget. Yeah, no, I've done the walk of shame a couple of times myself when you step foot inside a remote control door and then you have to go, oh, look around, there's masks. Okay, I forgot it, and do the walk. Of shame back to the car to go get it so it is an innocent mistake especially like this day and age I think the Victorians are probably a little bit more aware of it just given how 
much they've had to even doing exercise actually have their mask on their body when they're doing exercise they may not have to wear it running but they have to have it on their person whereas coming from Queensland or here in Sydney we're still getting accustomed to having the mask on so hopefully uh, Gladys Berejiklian can take that uh, request off in the next press conference I'm hoping fingers crossed here yeah. um, now I hope I pronounce this correctly but Diana Yemstreska um, she lost a bid to overturn a doping ban. Yeah, so they were just after clarification with her when she was actually hopping on the aeroplane to come here. Mm-hmm. So she had put in a bid to hopefully have her drug test that was tested positive overturned. Uh, unfortunately for her, it has not been, and that's now ruled her out of the Australian Open. I think she was trying to give herself the best possibility that if it was overturned, that she could actually compete in the Australian Open. However, now that they've come out and said that, no, it's uh, upheld. And I mean, as a, as a former Australian athlete and yourself, I think it's great to know that these internationals are actually getting out of tournament testing. I know how much the uh, ASADA drug agency here in Australia tests our athletes so it's actually good to see that uh, a lot of the internationals are still getting tested out of out of competition as well Jazz, Andy Murray's out, of course. Yes, uh, and this comes down with the quarantine restrictions mm. with the players as well. So you've got uh, everything was done to try to possibly find him a house and look into a house and a court and then getting him on a flight's over. But as you can see, all the Australians that are still stranded overseas, yeah. unless he was possibly getting his own private jet to come over here um, and then paying up the costs of having a um, house and the security that then you need to put on yourself to be living in a quarantine situation. It's yeah. just not feasible. The amount of money that you've seen Tennis Australia spend, $41 million, I believe, on the quarantine and isolation, all of those issues that they're having there with just spraying buses so it's uh, clean for the players to get to and from the tournament to train. Just to think that you're doing that on your own bat for one person is uh, – yeah, it was always going to be challenging for him. Yeah, it's a little bit pie in the sky, particularly when you think about his frailty. So let's hope that uh, we'll see more of Andy Murray going forward. Uh, he's, uh, it's a remarkable comeback story if he uh, if he can do anything significant over the next year or two. Just finally, uh, look, looking at the numbers in Victoria, apart from what's happening, of course, with that international influx, but I think most of us logically thought that there's going to be some COVID come with it as long as it's looked after, we'll be okay. We should see some decent crowds or half-decent crowds. Yeah, well, we see to the rest of Australia has actually got COVID under control at the moment. So, yes, you're always expecting internationals to bring it in with them and that's why the hard lockdown for those players um, and you've had a couple other players come out with the virus, Paula Badusa from Spain as well. So we know that they were going to probably carry it if they were asymptomatic or have symptoms uh, up in the air. It is going to be fantastic to have the event going and hopefully the crowds will be able to be bigger and stronger. You've got the three zones that they're coming up with just to keep the social distancing and meet the requirements with the government down there. So we're just not having that crossover that you'd have a free run typically at Melbourne Park. It is going to be a little bit different, but I think the main thing is you've got tennis on in Australia. Mm. The Australian Open is happening. We haven't lost it to to another Asian country and we'll be able to move stronger forward in 2022. Jazz, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. We're looking forward. We're not that far away now from the from the first ball being hit. So we're looking forward to your comments over over the Australian Open and we'll, we'll chat soon. Sounds good, guys. 
Coming up on Afternoon Sport, he's one of the player managers to the stars. He's got Pappenhausen, he's got Murray, he's got Jake Friend, all these NRL players. There's lots of issues to talk about. His name is Steve Gillis. He's with us after this. Stump to Stump is Australia's newest and most interactive cricket platform for all cricket fans, players and clubs to share stories, match results, memories and experiences. Stumptostump.com Well, a lot of rugby league news around. We are just a few weeks away from the first ball being kicked in anger. And we have the manager to the stars. When you think of Ryan Pappenhausen, Harry Grant... Jake Friend, the list goes on. Of course, Cameron Murray, Cameron McInnes. I could say them all, Steve Gillis, but I won't. How are you? G'day, Tim. G'day, Shane. How are you, Steve? Mate, I haven't seen you for – I haven't been to Clavelli Hotel on a Sunday night for a while, mate, so I haven't, haven't bumped into you. How are you, buddy? We used to have some good times there, mate, back in the <laughs> golden days. They wouldn't right. wouldn't let me in now, I don't reckon. Oh, I'm sure they would on many of your high standing. Now, look, just to, let, let's get to this. Players have taken – a cut, a big cut too, to to help the NRL and help what they've been through and what they're going to go through. Because 2021, I don't think it'll be quite what 2020 was, but it's still not going to be easy. Yeah, look, they've certainly uh, put their hand up and done their bit to keep the game going, which is terrific. I mentioned the other day, I mean, I don't know if heroic's the right word, but they've certainly done something wonderful for the game. Uh, no one likes taking pay cuts. These guys, I think up until... March last year were getting paid as per normal and then and then they went on to 50% pay. So you can spin it however you like it, but, you know, in, in, in March last year, if you're on $1,000 a week in April, you're on $500 a week, it, it's a stinger for them. And then this year, um, most recently, the last week or so, they've agreed to a further 6% pay cut to ensure that the game could continue to survive and the clubs can continue to survive. So it's it's been very refreshing and... and um, very good of them, I think. Steve, how, how does that work? Do they come individually to player managers like yourself or is it through the players' union? How, how does it work with, with, the, with the pay cuts? Yeah, it's all done through the, the players' association who yep. negotiate the collective bargaining agreement with the NRL. So it was a negotiation that took took place and it took well, quite a few months because obviously, you know, um, there's a lot at stake for the players and they'd already made a, a, a big sacrifice. I think that one of the main concerns from an NRL point of view was to ensure that the clubs survive because without the clubs, yeah. you don't have the teams, you don't have the players. So the clubs have been um, very well supported and the players have done their bit to ensure that the clubs uh, can keep going. Look, administrators got a big rap, as they should have. Peter Volandi's marching ahead with the game. Do you think the players themselves were acknowledged enough? Like we've had a, a team like New Zealand uh, domicile outside their own country for the entire season and they're already preparing to do something similar now. Yeah, look, I think the, the, the Kiwis in particular did a, a remarkable job to, uh, to function and keep going. You talk about mental health and... and uh, families and, and all those sorts of things. So they obviously made incredible amount of sacrifice. The NRL have acknowledged the um, the efforts of all the players, not just the Warriors, but all the players, which is fantastic. I don't think there's much more they can do other than acknowledge what they've done. And then hopefully when the next collective bargaining agreement is negotiated in a couple of years' time, the players, provided the game's doing well, will be rewarded for their sacrifices. Hey, Steve, how secure are the clubs? I know the, the Roosters and you, the Penrith Panthers are a very secure club financially. Are, are the other clubs in similar positions or are they sort of on a knife's edge? Yeah, they're all different, Shane. I mean, um, 
you've got to think smart to survive. I know the roosters are now looking at, 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 at buying parcels of land and yeah. petrol stations and all those sorts of things to ensure longevity. They're building uh, aged care facilities on some of their properties, and it's an amazing job that a club like that is doing to ensure that they're going to be around for a long, long time to come. I'm sure there are some clubs uh, struggling and on the precipice, but uh, I think everyone knows you have to keep working hard to ensure you, you survive. So uh, certainly they, they're getting smarter, without a doubt. Yeah, oh, they are, but not many of them have got a lot of money. That's that's the truth of the matter, isn't it? Because if you haven't got leagues, clubs, or individual benefactors, it's just not there. So it's an interesting. A lot a lot of the clubs are being propped up by the the NRL at the moment. How do you reckon this year is going to look? Uh, from a bubble point of view or from a, from a mm. game point of view? Bubble. Uh, look, they're talking about having another bubble again, which is going to put enormous pressure on the, the players and, and how they respond and, and, and how they perform. You've got to remember that last year uh, it was a fly-in, fly-out scenario. So guys were, you, you know, if you had a game in Townsville and you had to go from Sydney, you, you're up and back on the same day, many of them getting home at, you know, 2, 3, 4 in the morning. So incredible sacrifice. They've got to get on mm. aeroplanes busted and broken and, and battered and, and and then get up and go again the next day. So uh, it's going to be tough, but as I said, the, the players have, have bought in and, and are doing everything they can to ensure the game uh, k- kicks on. I did a fantastic job. Where are the players' salaries at now compared to the, the heady days of Super League? Well, probably on, on a par, mate. Um, okay. Obviously with a cap of, a cap of around um, 9 or 10 million. I don't think we had a cap that big during Super League. The, no. the key to it is the longevity of a player is about two to three seasons. Yeah. It, it's a tough business, mate. So the average number of games an NRL player may play is about 50 or 60 games. So everyone thinks that, you know, they get 15 years out of footy and make millions and millions, mm. millions of dollars. That, that's not the case. It, it's a it's a tough slog and they've got to be very wise with their money along the way. Harry Grant, one of the superstars of the game, he, he's gone back to Melbourne, of course. He was there at the Tigers on loan and did an amazing job in the Queensland Origin setup. Has Cameron Smith told him what he's doing yet? No, he hasn't. Harry's, <laughs> Harry, Harry's just six again, play on, expects to be there, and, and, and that's what he's doing. And, and Harry knows that the Melbourne Storm uh, are the best system for his footy at the moment, so he, he's very happy being there and being part of the club. Hey, Steve, I know I'm a Dragons man. I know we can't talk about the legal side of things, but Jack DeBellin, how, how's he um, um, holding up, mate? Yeah, Shane, incredibly uh, strong resolve. Um, probably one of the most mentally tough people I've, I've ever come across in, mm. in my life. Um, uh, just keeps going, uh, determined to prove his innocence, and we look forward to uh, our day in court again. Sure. Well, as a player manager, you do become a lot of things, lightening the subject a bit. You do become a lot of things to these players, don't you? You become a, a father figure, an uncle, a, a helper, a phone call. It's it's an interesting world. Yeah, but m- most of them are good people, Tim, and you like working and supporting good people, and you're always happy to help anyone who's a decent person. So, you know, I get a great joy out of playing my small part in, in, in helping them achieve their goals. So that's what keeps me going. Well, Steve, speaking of achieving goals, I, I need a cold schooner at the Clavelli Hotel, I reckon, again. So, mate, maybe you can help me out there. Shane, you had me at hello. <laughs> All right, the shout's on me. I'm happy to pay. You know, I'm always first to the bar. And, uh, yeah, you, finally, Ryan Pappenhausen, uh, we, we both have a link to the family, lovely family. Uh, you must be uh, – seeing a story like his 
um, developed the way it has, just finishing on this note, a real positive note, because he came through as a talented young player. The Tigers, well, they let him go. He went to Melbourne. He was fourth string fullback, didn't really know what he wanted to do. And then boom, crash opera, stuck at what he wanted to do. Now he is one of the most marketable superstars of the game. Yeah, and he deserves it all, mate. Worked extremely hard and, and faced adversity and put back to Q Cup for a year and then uh, no one really thought he was going to make it. Um, we certainly always did. I mean, Ryan's a very tough kid and always, in our opinion, was exceptional. But sometimes you've got to go the long way. As Shane will tell you with the cricket world, mate, sometimes you can be, you know, Knocking up hundreds in shield year after year after year, and you, you still don't get a go. But he he waited his his time and got his opportunity, and and he'll be around for a long time to come. He's got serious pace, hasn't he, mate? Yeah, he's electric. Yeah, yeah like you guys too to the to the bar. We'll see you at the Chloe. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Shane. Good on you, fellas. <laughs> That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you today goes to Steve Gillis and, of course, to Jaslyn Hewitt. Thank you to our sponsor, Spartan Sports, Shane. SpartanSportsHQ.com. And when it comes to podcast, he is just dead set the best in the business. Our producer, Dan McHugh, a big thank you. Shane, we'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you then.